If you have your Bibles today, either physical Bibles or on an app, digital Bibles, please turn to the New Testament in the Gospel of John. We're going to be in chapter 15 today, starting with verse 1. The sermon notes for today, uh, containing some other scriptures also that we'll be using in the sermon today, are at novachurch.org, or you can download the Nova Community Church app, and the sermon notes will be there also. Last week we closed out a really great series called Ecclesiology, and we looked at the seven word pictures of the church, and we explored John chapter 15 last week, and we talked about the word picture of the church being God's field. It's God's field. And we talked about, made some observations as we read John chapter 15 and said the gardener or the vine dresser is God, the Father. The vine is Jesus, and the branches are you and me. And if you're a branch, we said this last week, if you're a branch in God's field, then growth is not just possible, it's inevitable. And we talked about last week what would have to happen in order for you to grow because it's all about growing in God's field. And last week we talked about we need to remain in the vine. We talked all about what it means to remain or abide in the vine. And today we'll take up the second point in that and we're going to talk about how, how growing in fruitfulness is the work of the gardener. And with that, we are starting a new series today. We ended one last week. We use the same text. We're going to use the same text and start a new series. And the, the series is, is entitled A Season of Preparation. And this is a new series for the Lenten season. And now Lent, we said this before, which most people think is a pretty churchy word. Lent or Lent, uh, Lent is really an old English word meaning spring or spring season. And for the church, it sets apart this period of time before Easter, about 40 days before Easter. And for Christians, it's typically a season of intentional spiritual growth. It's, it sometimes involves fasting and prayer and service and sharing the gospel in preparation to celebrate the greatest day for any Christian all over the world, which is Easter and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And for the people of Nova, well, we wrote a daily devotional. And uh, you can get this at novachurch.org. Um, it's also on the Nova Community Church app. There's some hard copies. I don't know if there's still any more left, but there are some of these hard copies available at the Information Center. You can always print it out. It's downloadable. You can share it with others. I encourage you to share it with coworkers and friends and family and, and people you go to school with, and they can follow along. And it starts this Wednesday in a day uh, known as Ash Wednesday. That's right. This Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. Our devotional starts then. And then uh, you can also, if you go to the website, you can, you can give, uh, sign up with your email address. And every day for 40 days, that devotional will end up in your inbox in the morning when you open up uh, your, your laptop, your computer. And each week, each devotional, uh, each weekly devotional has a theme. And the devotional will coincide with the sermon on Sunday, and then we'll read all about it. So it's a great way to align with the Nova Community Church family. 
and uh, we'll be reading the same scriptures, we'll be reading the same reflection, we'll be talking about these questions in small groups, and in the devotional you can reflect on them, and there'll be a prayer in each day's devotional that we'll be praying together. So, I hope you follow along with us. If you're new with us, it's a great time to join along. We'd love for you to be a part of our time. Take a look at John chapter 15, and we'll start with verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you, re if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. This is God's word for us today. Today, we're going to talk about growing in fruitfulness. Just growing in fruitfulness. Last week, we talked about what the branch does for growth. And if you were here with us last week or you watched uh, online, on demand, you know that the phrase we talked about last week is, if you remain in me. And if you were here and you took notes and you were thinking about this, the word remain or the word abide means dependence. It means to depend on the vine. And Jesus says in verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. And we see in verse 2 that the gardener does two things. In verse 2 it says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, the good question here for us today is, what does it mean by fruit? What do the scriptures mean? The word fruit in the Bible describes a supernatural change, a, a change that we don't create on our own. It's a change that God does in us. It's a character change. 
And Paul says in the book of Romans in, in chapter 1, he says, I desire to preach to you or to minister to you so that I might see fruitfulness in you. It's the Spirit doing fruitful work through us in that way. In Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul writes about the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit is God's work in you. And that results in this fruit of the Spirit, which is supernatural character change. And it's described here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. These are supernatural character changes that God does in you. It's not you sort of working really hard and trying to get this fruit out. It's the dependence of the branch to the vine and the vine sending this lifeblood into the branches that will produce this supernatural character change that only the vine can produce. In this passage, Jesus talks about fruit bearing. And the first point he makes here, number one in your notes, is loving the vine. It's all about loving the vine. The vine pulls out of the ground, the vine being Jesus, pulls out of the ground the lifeblood of heaven and imparts it to the branches, which is you and me. And that fruit that's imparted from the vine to the branches here is described first this particular fruit is described as love in verse 9 it says as the father has loved me so have i loved you now remain in my love take your pen in your bibles treat your bibles like a textbook take a pen and underline that phrase remain in my love because that's a key phrase of the fruitfulness of the, of the branch. Now, the branch that's connected to the vine is growing in God's love. I, it's kind of a daring test, sort of a vulnerable way to try to figure out if you're bearing the fruit of love in your life. But if you're daring enough, if you're, if you're courageous enough, if you're vulnerable enough, to try this test. I think it's, it's, a, it's a good one. It's interesting. It's hard. Ask someone close to you, someone in your life that's close to you, ask them to name five things that would best describe who you are. Just to go up to somebody who you know really well, friend, uh, uh, a loved one, family member, to say, could you name five things that would best describe who I am? And what would they say as you think about it? Would they say that love would be one of the five? Would anyone say that about you to do that sort of a daring test? I think about our community and our culture here in the South Bay. And I would describe the South Bay as being a beautiful place to be and to live. But I would also describe our South Bay culture as being very self-focused, being very inward and self-focused, being very competitive in a way, and be, being very performance-driven or performance-oriented. And then I think about 
what this fruit that could be born out of the branches would be like. This Christian should be known for love and being loving. Does Jesus say, when he describes this fruit, does he say, remain in love? What is he saying? He says, remain in my love, doesn't he? So it's different than remain in love. He's saying, remain in my love. A Christian is not just a kind and a pleasant person, but a person that's growing in their love for God. That's the difference in this fruit here. Are you growing in your love for God? Are you getting better at loving God? Because this is the fruit of love that Jesus is talking about here. This is what the fruit is described as, is remaining in my love. We're not talking about being more charitable, although it could include that. But we're not talking about attendance to church activities. We're not talking about serving in ministry. We're not talking about Bible knowledge. We're not talking about loving the marginalized and the poor necessarily. But Jesus is saying, remain in my love. So let's get kind of practical here with trying to understand and trying to figure out what remaining in my love is all about. How do you know that you're growing in love with anybody? How do you know that you're you're just growing and growing in love with whomever. Well, I, I think very practically that you want to spend time with them. That, that time is like a, a huge factor. And the question would be, do you enjoy spending time with God? Remain in my love. And that, that's one of the reasons why we produce this devotional, so that we would spend more time with God, remaining in his love. Can you say that you enjoy spending time with God? I mean, that's, that's what we're talking about here. It's talking and listening to God and learning about God and singing and watching him work in his kingdom. It's how you know you're growing in love with anyone. And as you spend more time with God, you'll begin to see a change. You'll begin to see the fruit of the Spirit being born out of you as the branch is depending on the vine and this fruit of loving God is born out of these branches. And your life will be transformed as you delight to spend more time with God. You'll see more peacefulness in your life and you'll be more calm. You'll be more confident and wise and humble and and all of these other things as we remain in my love, is what Jesus said. Uh, To put it another way, just to be very practical. How many of you, uh, how many of you like dessert? Raise your hand. Okay, almost everybody likes dessert. Some people are like, of course, of course, dessert. Now, have you ever ordered your favorite dessert at your favorite restaurant? And, and you've done that, and, and you look forward to that sometimes. They have that great pie or that cake or the ice cream or whatever it would be, their favorite dessert at your favorite restaurant. And you might say to your people you're having dinner with, hey, let's just order one and we'll share it, right? No? Some of you are like, no, I, I would not do that. What's your favorite dessert? I mean, I mean, what would it be? What would your favorite 
think in your mind, what would your favorite dessert be? In fact, let's, let's do this. On the count of three, let's just say our favorite dessert out loud. Out loud. Okay, ready? You got it in your head? What are you going to say? Ready? One, two, three. I, I don't know. I was going to get it for you, but I didn't understand any of that right, right there. It could be cheesecake. It could be pie. It could be, you know, a hot fudge sundae. Uh, it could be fruit. I mean, someone, some people are healthy and they like certain fruits, that sort of a thing. But what happens is when you get that dessert and it hits the table and you say, you know what? I'm just going to take a couple bites. It'll, it'll be okay. And, and if you're sharing it, you know, everyone kind of dives in. And suddenly you, you realize the plate is empty. How did that happen after that plate is empty? And suddenly you have this intuitive sense in you that that dessert, your favorite dessert at your favorite restaurant, how beautiful it looked, how great it smelled, how wonderful it tastes, suddenly you realize it's in my belly. Where did it go? It, it, it ended up in my belly. And you wonder where it went. And you sense that it's there. If you've ever been in love, you know that love is like that. You see it, and you taste it, and you can't get enough of it. And you just want more. Where did that go? I mean, you spend so much time with each other. You ever do this when you're in love with somebody? You spend time with them, and you're talking, and you're having coffee, or, or dinner, or you're just having a good time with them. And all of a sudden, you look at your watch, and you go, it's 2 in the morning. Where did the time go? Because you're so in love with that person. These are practical ways to remain in the love of God time spent in just being able to just take it all in and enjoying God's love in your life. Now, the second point that Jesus is making when he's saying this is how to grow in fruitfulness is not just loving, but the second is obeying, obeying the vine. The second fruit that this text talks to us about is obedience. In, in verse 10 it says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I kept my father's commands, remain in his love. And obedience is obeying his commands. And Christian obedience is different than other forms of obedience because it grows out of this love. This is a unique obedience that flows out of love. When you love someone, one of the things that you do is you think, and you're, you're loving somebody and, and you're thinking, your wish is my command. Whatever you want, I'll get for you. Are you thirsty? I'll get you water. Are you hungry? I'll make you food. You need some rest? I'll make sure the house is quiet. When you love somebody, you think your wish is my command. And the attitude of love is never, what do you want now? Anyways, right? You never say that. If you're in love with somebody, it's whatever you want, whatever you need, I'm going to provide it for you. And this kind of obedience is so different than the person who is religiously or morally or mechanically connected to the vine. They're just going through the motions. And there are some people who claim to be Christians, but they're not formally connected to the vine. And they complain that that Bible is just a book full of rules. And that church, they're so legalistic, and it's filled with people who are hypocrites. 
which is so different than what Psalm 1 describes. In your notes, if you look at it, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight, check that out, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates, his delight is in the law and he meditates on his law day and night. What's that person like? That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit, there's that word again, in season, and whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. You see, they delight in the law. We don't use the word delight a lot, but I think you understand what that is. There's this joy with the law, and they meditate on that law day and night. And the person who delights and meditates on the law of God is like a tree that's planted by streams of water and that yields its fruit in the right season. And the leaves don't wither, and whatever they do prospers. So how do I grow in fruitfulness? The first is you grow in your love for God. If you want to be fruitful, you need to grow in your love of God. And the second is you delight and you meditate on the scriptures. And this third one, this last one today, it hurts. Because we grow in fruitfulness when the branches are pruned. That's number three. In verse 2 in John 15, it says, Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. See, the gardener's job is to bring out the best, the very best in the plant. They're developing it. They're cultivating it. This productivity of the plant. So what does he do? What does the gardener do? What does the, the, the vine dresser do? He prunes it. And it might feel as a branch, when the gardener prunes us, it might feel like attack. It might feel like brutality. It might feel like even like murder. Pruning is the most important thing you can do to stimulate the beauty and the growth and the power and the size and the fruitfulness of the vine. Every vintner knows. Everyone knows that the highest rated, the richest, the tastiest wine comes from grapevines that struggle. Not that they're given everything that they need, but we need to have that vine struggle in some way. So if the weather's a little bit not ideal, if the temperature, it's just not right, not quite right. If there's a drought, if there's pruning, that vine is going to flourish. Everyone knows that. And if you would go through a vineyard, just taking a tour, just walking through a vineyard during the spring season, and you had an ignorant eye that you didn't really understand this principle, and you walk through there, and you would think, who is the uncaring, brutal, knife-wielding gardener around here? And you'd walk through the rows of vines, and you would see beautiful, luscious, green branches and clusters of grapes laying in the dirt, just suffocating, drying up. But if you had the eye to know what was going on, you wouldn't think that. 
You would look up if you had the ignorant eye and look at the branches and they'd be bleeding at a hundred places like they were weeping in pain. But the one who knows and loves the gardener, they understand. The one who's connected to the vine knows that pruning must happen in order for the branch to be growing and healthy and fruitful. There was nothing cut off that was a gain to lose and a loss to keep. This pruning principle is a metaphor. It it runs through all of our lives. If you want to grow and be fruitful, painful pruning is required. It's the same way with, with gold ore, you know, just raw gold. You give it to the refiner. What does the refiner do? He takes it and he puts it through the fire. And that gold is melted and the impurities rise to the surface and he skims that off. You take a world-class athlete and you, and you give it to a coach. The coach must train that athlete. And, and the coach will demand painful stretching and lung-bursting cardio and muscle-tearing weightlifting and mind-numbing repetition and practice. If you're parenting a son or a daughter, a teenager, a teenage son or daughter, and maybe you catch them in a lie. And so you discipline them by imposing restrictions. You might say something like to your teenager that you've caught in, in a lie. You might say, you are grounded tonight. You can't go out with your friends. And then that teenager says to you, well, this is the end of my life. I will lose every friend I've ever made. And I'll grow up to be ugly and lonely and angry. And I'll hold you personally responsible. Right? The gardener is given the branches. The refiner is given the raw gold. The coach is given the athlete. The parent is given the child. So what do they do? They cut and they burn and they stretch and they discipline. Because the gardener, the refiner, the coach, the parent, you love and care. And the only way to develop growth, and it seems like it hurts, well, it does hurt. But there's not always understanding. In God's field here at Nova Community Church, there are many branches connected to the vine. When it comes to the gardener pruning branches, He'll do it so that we can grow and be fruitful. And the personal applications of this truth are in your minds and your hearts right now in your lives. And they're painful and they're many. Every branch has a story to tell. And it's your choice. You look at pain in your life. You look at hardship. You look at struggle. And you look at the challenges that we all face. Are you going to look at him with an ignorant eye and say it's not fair that God is angry and God is mean and there is no reason for this pain and this hurt and loss in my life? Or are you going to look at it with the wise eye and say it hurts and I'm suffering and yet God is sovereign. I know that to be true. And God knows all things because I meditate on his word, and I know that. 
But I also know that God is good and He's loving. And I understand what God is doing because He wants me to grow and be fruitful. And when He cuts and prunes, the branch clings onto that vine all the more. When we're pruned, we learn three things. Real simple. We, we, we learn, we obey, and we trust. First, we learn. We, we, when we're pruned, we say, God, help me to understand you better. So we learn more about God. When we're pruned, we trust. It's, we say, God, it hurts right now, but I trust that you're good. And we obey. We learn, we trust, and we obey. When you feel the pain of pruning in your life, you just cling to that vine. And this is something that I know and I have experienced. We rarely grow. We rarely grow and bear fruit when we're comfortable. We'll grow and we'll bear fruit. And so much of the time, it's when we're going through hardship. Amen.